Borak Dong Earthlets! My name is Conrad, and this is the 171st episode of Space Spinner 2000, a podcast where we try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This time, we're taking a break from our usual weekly progs to cover the 2080 annual 1988. As always, annuals are dated for the years after they come out in, and this is the 11th 2080 annual. This year, we're seeing new stories by up-and-coming writers and artists, Ron Smith Daily Dreads, and another classic multi-issue 2080 story, this time Hammerstein's War Memoirs. The 2080 annual is a little cheaper than the Judge Dredd annual at £3.25, up 30 pence this year. But, naturally, I'm most excited for my guest this episode, 2080 superfan Dave Healy of the 1977-2080 Facebook group. Welcome, Dave! Hello, folks. How are you? All right. Yeah, w- welcome to the show. Really excited to talk to you about some uh, some awesome 2080 action. I was wondering if, if you could share your uh, 2080 history or origin story with us. Yeah, sure, man. Um, yeah, it all started when I was three years old. 2080 came out, and uh, right. I was really fortunate that my br- elder brothers were really into it. And mm-hmm. um, the first issue I remember was uh, Frog Three, um, and like I remember literally reading it or looking at the pictures on my um, brother's bedroom floor. And it started there, and um, eventually I learned to read through 2080, and uh, stuck with it for many years until the dark days of the 90s, where I had a bit <laughs> of a break. <laughs> young, young, young Fox will come to that. Yeah, common, and, uh, common story <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, yeah, I came back to it. Uh, oh, a good few years ago now, and uh, yeah, I'm loving it again. And uh, I've sort of caught up, re rebought all my collection again, and. Uh, yeah, it's been great. And uh, obviously, like, you know, being part of the community, it's a fantastic community. It's a niche community, but it's a really thriving one. And um, yeah, it's just wonderful, just like really living around memories and also looking at the great new art and the uh, stories around there. Yeah, absolutely. I've really found the community to be very, or to be very welcoming. I know it's just, you know, I've come into 2000 AD pretty late and from a strange place. <laughs> so it's been really helpful for people just to sort of like be, be, be friendly and, and, and welcome me and Fox in. So did, did you have this annual when you were growing up? Oh yes. Yeah. Um, 2000 AD annuals were a big thing for me. This was like, I even though they came out around about like, you know, towards the end of the year, I wasn't mm-hmm. allowed to look until Christmas Day. This was a Christmas present and it was always wonderful. It's one of the highlights. So uh, yeah, and it's, it's really been fantastic looking back through that show. When you when you said, "Oh, yeah, um, check out not annual 1998," I was thinking to myself, "Hmm, were the annuals starting to sort of like fade off a bit then?" Mm-hmm. But uh, going going through it, it's just it's been wonderful. It's, it's really brought me back, and um, I, the, the stuff in there I haven't read for well thirty years, and it's just fantastic. <laughs> awesome, cool. So, are you reading your original copy from back then, or do you have to uh, reacquire this one? I was quite lucky, actually. I managed to keep my annuals. Um, all my frogs went, which I've managed to get back. But this is this is my original annual. So, um, oh, that's amazing. Uh, yeah, even has my name inside still. So I'm <laughs> That's really cool. I I I I love it when people can just have, yeah have all their original stuff or just have something that's been 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 loved since it came out. That's amazing. Oh yeah, it's definitely well loved. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. All right, let's get to it. I guess um, just to give you some context, I guess for the larger show, our last in in the episode before this one comes out, we've just finished a. Prog 542. So, uh, Mean Team's been blown up. Uh, uh, Zenith helped clean up the dragon. 
Johnny Alpha is dealing with a sorry case, and uh, Judge Dredd is ju- has finally beaten Stan Lee, uh, the Death Fist. You know, what a great, what a great set of issues, though. Yeah, we're just we're we're in we're, we're sort of mid Zenith and about to start uh, Oz. It's it's really amazing time in '87 for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. For, for me, that's big to Dave Nadu. I'm like I'm slightly younger than the average to Dave Nadu fan, not mm-hmm. by a lot. But um, for me, for me, the start of Zen was like you know, round about that time, roared up and people stuff in the properties. It was that big Excellent. Yeah, so uh, this annual opens with a cover by, by Brendan McCarthy with uh, Anderson and Johnny Alpha holding Tharg hostage. Buy this book or we shoot the Beetlejuice in. <laughs> Love it. Fantastic. Yeah, with an excellent uh, Mega City One uh, cityscape in the background as well. And then the inside covers this kind of funky glamour shot of uh, Tharg introducing the uh, the table of contents. So I guess he, he got free of those no good miscreants in the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But all this takes us straight into Thrill One, Torquemada's second honeymoon. <laughs> uh, scripted by Pat Mills, art about Kevin O'Neill, letting about Steve Potter. Oh man, I'm I'm excited about this one. Um, yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it, it, it's almost like they've uh, they've been given free reign, and it's like it's the annual do what you want, and it, it's it's it, it is. Crazy. Yeah, they're just just being as silly and ridiculous as possible. I think. <laughs> so, yeah, it's very, very much more a humor strip than I mean. To, Nemesis always has quite a bit of humor, but it's yeah, it's, it's fun. Yeah. So we're so talk about the master of hate here, Torquemada himself, of course, early in his marriage with Candida, but still after he had become a, a worm cloud phantom. So maybe in between uh, Killer Watt and Nemesis Book One or something like that. Um, to reconnect with Candy, he's possessed a Terminator, and they've gone to the planet Karma, the love planet, um, and are frolicking among the Terminator-created c- uh, ruins there, which I think is pretty it, – it's, it's a funny touch of just like they walked among the ruins and read the uh, inscriptions that hadn't been – you know, the ruins created by Terminators, the remaining inscriptions not defaced by Terminators, you know, <laughs> like everything's – yeah. I think for talking about it, this would this would be like going to Mauritius or something like that. <laughs> this was right. together. <laughs> um, we see them playing in the ocean. They're um, feasting on terrifying alien creatures and just some very like funny slash gross pictures of them. Just like you know, yeah. <laughs> like it's really quite horrible. <laughs> like gleefully, like biting chunks out of possibly still alive like alien monsters. You know, <laughs> it actually looks quick. Quite a bit like a um, homunculus when it was first born in Nemesis Book 2. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, they're real gross. It's real bad. (laughs) But then there's terrifying news. A gang of alien fanatics, the Zuggies, intend to kidnap Candida and sacrifice her. But Torquemada has a plan. He sacrifices Candida, or or sorry, he, he possesses Candida and heads out to fight them. And it, it becomes very uh, Indiana Jones, the Temple of Doom meets Rambo as like Candida walks into this uh, sacrifice site and uh, just pulls out a, a giant red uh, super rifle and ammo belt and just starts shooting everybody complete with one liners like you want blood, have your own. You know, she's saying cleanse and purify. It's just absolutely fantastic. She's even got the fewer. Head, the Rambo head. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's it's it, it it's totally like the pose of of the cover of like Rambo two. 
but 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 with Candida there instead, you know. Um, um, she kills all the aliens, but things go bad when one of the Terminators reveals that this whole trip wasn't about romance, but about rooting out the alien menace. Candida's hurt and betrayed, but Torquemada is incredibly powerful, and his previous wives have all died under pre- under mysterious circumstances. Yeah. So you might as well go with it, you know. <laughs> She's quite accepting at the end. I'm thinking she's uh, good woman. <laughs> I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I think it's shades of what to come. Like she's sort of making these hard choices now that eventually lead to her being in the uh, in the insane asylum in Torquemada the God. You know, she just had to deal with one thing too many or something like that. Absolutely, I, I always loved Candida. I thought she was a fantastic character. It's quite interesting to see. Her. See our origins here, and then she came to be the domestic person. To be fair, yeah, this is sort of in between, like uh, Princess Di Candida and the one that we sort of know from from the comics, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So, uh, and and and, and speak of uh, trying to continue things, it's thrill to cut it out and question time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. Start of the filler of the filler sections here of the annual. Um, there's a preview of the Robin Smith drawn 2080 paper dolls, about which much more later. And then I, I love the, I love the fact that they spent a page to preview stuff that's going to be in later. Yeah, like like stay tuned. Like okay, man. Like I'm not you know I already have the the, the annual. You know I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> and then uh, next up, a bunch of creators were asked about their favorite dread stories. Uh, Kev O'Neill picked Eat of the Night from the 85 Dread Annual about two teams of fatties eating mobile homes competitively, which is a favorite of mine, too, actually. That's sort of a... Yeah, a re- it's a great, great strip. It's just so absurd as they just, like, are eating, like, solid metal pieces of these mopads. Dave Gibbons picked The Fink. Uh, which he actually observed Mick McMahon drawing, which I think is pretty cool, especially for the ex. And, uh, oh, yeah, go ahead. Dave and uh, Mick used to share an art studio. So, oh, interesting. Um, they, yeah, so they used to watch each other work, and I think that used to push each other along quite a bit. So, yeah, uh, it's quite interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, Robin Smith picked Beat the Devil from the 84 Dread Annual, which was, was a poem story about Dread arresting the literal devil that came to Mega City One, which is pretty, you know, which is a. I really like that story too, just because it's sort of it had a, this rhyming structure that was sort of unique among the um, among dread stories. And then uh, John Wagner picked the the Midnight Surfer with Chopper and, Sur- and Super Surf Seven, which is one one of my absolute favorites. And understandable as well. I think it's great that he picked his own story. <laughs> I mean, you know, like I think it's it's only been John Wagner for the last like four hundred progs, you know. You'd have, to, yeah. you'd have to go back to, I, I, I think I think literally Blood of Satanus was the last um non Wagner yeah. um uh dread story. No. But um and then all of these recommendations also have study questions like naming the angel gangs or why traditional eating contests were banned and stuff like that. That was that, quite a question, actually. I got, I got one of them thing. I, I, I had some I had some I had some pretty good ideas. Like, I know the Mopat, they had to eat the Mopats because there were food shortages post Apocalypse War. I, I knew the devil was an ISO cube six, was an ISO cube 666 or ISO block 666, you know. Like, <laughs> it sort of adds up. Um, after that, there's a, there's a word search of artist names, and it's great because, 
I, I, I think it's really funny because the first line of the word search is just Bell Ardinelli. It fill, fills the whole width of the uh, of the word search. So it's like, all right, I got one at least, you know. Yeah, they, these are done for younger children. I think. It's not that hard, is it? No. Because you've got Bella Donnelly, then you've got McMahon's directly underneath that. Right. Cooper directly underneath that, but yeah. I mean, it's it's inc- like from from the answer page, just, just, it's 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 incredibly tightly packed. Like, there's almost no letters in this thing that don't make up at least one word. You know, yeah. it's like there there's a lot of wheat, not a lot of chaff in this in, in this particular word search. It's, it's a great artist, definitely. That's a mix of 2000 AD and like traditional artists, I guess. <laughs> and speaking of a uh, classic artists. It's thrill three. Give us our daily dread. <laughs> yeah, uh, scripter about John Wagner and Alan Grant. Art about Ron Smith. Letting her about. I, I, I'd imagine Tom framed it though. Though doesn't say. It looks like Tom Frame. Yeah. Time for some quick cut storytelling with the Daily Star dreads, and I'll tell you, this is the the last time actually we'll see this style of uh, dread strip in the annuals. In the future, they'll start printing the more compact uh, daily strips instead of these larger uh, Saturday ones. These they look great as well. They've really held up well. I was really surprised. When I first had a flip through, I thought, oh, and I can't remember any of these two. So <laughs> yeah. really, it's a bit of joy. And they're, they're genuinely funny. Uh, much funnier than the actual normal strip set. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, just the ability to do these dread stories as like one shot, like like jokes, basically, is is is, is an interesting look for dread. And yeah, they, they, they do pretty good in just sort of getting in, getting the punchline and getting out for sure. Yeah, it's quite, there's quite a few uh, British references that you might not have gone from as well. Like on the first strip where it's uh, sort of judging being advertised, um, that, that's um, a guy called Noel Edmonds, who's, who's at the time absolutely huge. Uh, ah. He's a DJ and reality star, so yeah, that's fascinating. Isn't it? Nice, yeah. There, there do like there did seem to be a lot of these ones that have sort of like that have characters that are clearly caricatures, but ones that I I didn't pick that I I trouble picking up on. I think just because of yeah, because time and distance, you know. Yeah, and you, you have um, a guy a guy interviewing um, Cliff Richard, I'm sure you've ever seen Cliff Richard the singer, um, I, who looks very much like Jeremy Beadle, who was a big TV star at the time as well. So it's, it's uh-huh. quite yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think that they're they're definitely trying to pick up on pop culture for these ones, just to sort of make them more relatable. I think to the random like yes. a person that that just came across this in a newspaper, as opposed to more specific like 2000 AD reader or something like that. <laughs> so, uh, f- first up, a fashion designer shows up with an offer to sell ads on judges' uniforms, and Dredd is not pleased, despite the offer of ten credit of a ten credit. Re- reward per arrest made with the advertising on the judge's back. And so the designer gets three years for improper suggestions. <laughs> it's fantastic. And the, yeah. the art's absolutely pretty well. Definitely. Yeah, it's, it's like, um, you know, it's, it's just Ron Smith being able to capture like maximum silliness and making Dread look really tough and stuff. It's really great. Absolutely. Next up, it's July 4th, Independence Day, uh, 1775 to, 20, to, to 2109. It, it should be 76, by gar. I shake my fist as an American. Um, you got a, a year wrong or whatever. Uh, anyhow, spug you Brits. <laughs> but, but these junior patriots didn't get a permit for their parade, so Dredd sends them to the cubes for the rest of July. Come back, you Brits. All is forgiven. 
there's a few Americans who might say that now. I mean, you know, I've 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 heard some some conversation, I guess. Um, <laughs> next up, uh, Brad and Blindy are kissing in Lover's Lane when Brad shifts his car into gear and smashes into Dred's Lawmaster. That was some kiss. About two years worth, I'd say. <laughs> I love that. That was such a great role. It's it's great because they they've just smashed into dread, so he says it because he's like sideways, like still in the wreckage of the lawmaster. Like I'm sentencing these guys before I even get myself free, you know. <laughs> uh, next up is kind of a weird one where uh, dread goes after a perp, but the perp disappears, and then dread disappears because they were both teleported by the Justice Department, and then and dread then lands on the perp because they teleport at the same time. Yeah, it's a bit confusing. Yeah. It took me a while to work out what was going on. Definitely, um, yeah. Nice art. Oh, of course, yeah. Um, next, a, a a reporter is viewing the revival of Evergreen Groove star uh, Clough Richard, aka Cliff Richard, as uh, Dredd, and that when Dredd arrests him for bad taste. And <laughs> the reporter says bad taste isn't a crime, and Dredd says it's his strip, and he'll decide what the crimes are. It really is breaking the fourth wall on this one. I feel like these two were both big fourth wall breakers, this one and the next one, where it's just Dredd talking to the camera, being like, I don't care if you weren't properly pro- properly potty trained or had div- had uh, problems growing up. Commit a crime, I'll stamp you so hard, you'll wish you were born a pancake. No excuses. Is that understood? And the only response is crying as Dredd finishes his talk at the local nursery. <laughs> Because he's just been yeah. yelling at these kids. <laughs> they're, they're actually wetting themselves on the floor. <laughs> yeah. I, love, I love the robot term, teacher, as well. Yeah. Thank you for your message, Judge Dredd. <laughs> no. uh, great stuff. And speak, yeah. So, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I just, I just, think, I just think it's just the humor that comes through and it's just fantastic. Definitely. Yeah, anytime Dread talks to kids, it's always a recipe for uh, for humor and disaster, for sure. <laughs> and speaking of uh, classic stories, let's talk about Thrill 4, Robusters Part 1. A script robot Pat Mills, art robot Kev O'Neill and Mike Dory, letting robot John Aldrich. So, classic 2000 AD time! Uh, this one starts with a cover of Prog 88, which is just two issues after the Star-Lord merger, and an exciting tale of Hammerstein's past. And I gotta say, for me, this feels way more meaningful now that we've had so many adventures with Hammerstein, versus when, you know, this story first aired, and we just, you know, if you hadn't read Star-Lord, you, you, did, you didn't really know who these characters were, so their origin stories didn't mean as much, I guess. It's, um, it's fantastic. Yeah. It's so... Yeah, we, we covered these stories originally, or, or sorry, all the Robuster stories here is, are from uh, are from Progs 88 to 92, and we covered them initially in the episodes 26 and 27. So, uh, in between disasters, Hammerstein wakes up from a nightmare and starts telling everybody his war stories as he checks out his old soldier head, which we'll, we've seen more of in like ABC Warriors and stuff. Um, Hammerstein, of course, fought in the war against the Volgans, the uh, commie Nazi pastiche that invaded England in the year 1999. Uh, as we saw in Invasion, it's not clear how long the war has been raging, but the need for war for robot soldiers is very real. And the first one uh, deployed in the front is our buddy Hammerstein, the first Mark III robot, because the previous Marks have all been disaster. Uh, to prove his worth, Hammerstein is put in a normal infantry squad to to uh, show that he can handle it. But the sergeant in charge is an anti-robot racist. 
a robophobe. He hates robots and uh, makes Hammerstein like run beside their APC and, and stuff like that. Um, it's very heavy on the... Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's Pat Mills. I mean, he, he, but he, he does it so well. I mean, you know, he, he really uses old tropes, but it just works so well when he does stuff like this. And when he's got some of the artists... Yeah, definitely. This is, yeah, it's it. This is very much sort of yeah, like like Eddie War story where there's sort of one one soldier that's different than the rest. But um, this one's got the extra one because because it's, it's robots, so it's even more, you know. So it's it's got that element of the fantastic that uh, makes it relatable to all situations, I guess. Um, but because Hammerstein's running beside the vehicle instead of being inside of it, it keeps him from being killed when a Volgon attack chopper uh, takes the takes it out. Hammerstein destroys the chopper, but the only survivor is the sergeant who is now blind and delirious as he seems to think Hammerstein is human. After some banter, they come under fire, and it's Vogan killing time. <laughs> the second half, well. <laughs> yeah, the second of this story, uh, uh, Mike Dory takes over over from Kev O'Neill on art, and after we check in with the robot framing story, we rejoin Hammerstein and his robo-racist blind sergeant pal in the war against the Vogans. The pair steal a sweet snow tank from a Volgan trooper and try to make their way back to American lines. Along the way, they find a massive Volg force headed straight for our guys, undetectable in the snow. Sarge begs Hammerstein to kill him and warn the U.S. forces because he can make it there easily with, uh, without Sergeant slowing Hammerstein down. Eventually, Hammerstein agrees, burying the Sergeant and then moving out. War is hell. Poor Hammerstein. You know, he's got... He just to, wants to be accepted. Yeah, he's just trying to do his thing, you know, and like all these uh, all these humans are are, are are keeping him down as always. <laughs> oh yeah, and you know I love seeing uh, Mike Dory come in and, and and do this art stuff. I'm 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 a big fan of his for sure. Yeah, he's really nice actually. I mean, it, it, it takes something to follow Kevin O'Neill, uh, and yeah. he does it really really well. He's perfectly suited to the strips, um, and yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's definitely like a murderer's row. These uh, these early Robuster stories with with Kev O'Neill, Mike Dory, and 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 Dave Gibbons later. Um, and speaking of murderers' rows, thrill five, cut it out one. <laughs> so these oh. are <laughs> these are the promised scissor scans, the uh, the paper dolls of two thousand AD characters. Uh, first one, of course, is Judge Dredd with his sh- shoulder pads and badge as separate parts you can add to the paper doll. And Dread without his shoulder pads really reminds me of Prog 520 when he had to strip down to confront Whitey one last time. It was just sort of like yeah. very naked, jumpsuited Dread. You know, he looks so weird without like without the shoulder it's pads. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's Robin Smith's art. He was never the greatest artist, he's a good art editor. But um, yeah, I, I can't. I mean, even as a kid, when I had this, I didn't even fancy putting it there and making a jump jump figure. So I'm not quite sure what it was in I mean, it's it's like it'd be a fair amount of like arts and crafts work. So you got to like put put like cardboard behind it so that it, it would it, it would just flop over. And then how how you're supposed to attach some of these like uh like like pieces to the paper doll seems pretty complex, honestly. Like you got to like cut it's arms. A lot, it's a lot of work. Yeah, like you'd need to get pretty crazy with like an exacto knife to just be able to <laughs> like get the arms in the right position for some of these and stuff like that for sure. <laughs> I think it's nice that they put the uh, text story on the back of it, so that if you do hesitate, you're not ruining any particular style. Yeah, no, yeah, nothing of value is lost, right? Oh, I don't know. Pretty much. I will get to it. 
<laughs> and yeah, and uh, uh, speak of t- and and uh, let's go to that tech story. Thrill Six, Judge Anderson's Dear Diary. Uh, script robot uh, Pete Milligan, art robot Eddie Kant, and uh, Cassandra Anderson. I guess. <laughs> so tech story time. Oh geez, it's a uh, June twenty one oh nine, and Judge Cassandra Anderson is writing in her diary, complete with hand drawn pictures. You know, her art isn't great, but it's got an outsider element that I enjoy. I think. Cassandra Anderson has been about I think it was really really good art. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I, just, I suppose she spent more time shooting people and drawing. So, yeah, not, <laughs> not a lot of formal training for sure. It's got kind of a kind of a PJ maybe kind of feel to it, honestly, which is a little disturbing. Sorry. You know, um, but uh, it's funny because her diary has a lot of like what will happen today based on her psychic gifts. It's like you know today will be boring. This stuff will happen. Um, she. And then she kind of handles that information, like be it alerting a riot squad to a philosophical run- rumble between some existentialists and hedonists, or to uh, kick a judge who's been harassing her in the junk or, or something like that. Um, and, and most of her predictions turn out to be true, though it was actually pragmatists, not existentialists. But that judge did definitely try to corner her, and she had to uh, take him out, basically. The problem is that she gets a vision of herself killing a businessman, and now she's worried about some kind of split personality. Uh, yeah, it's weird. She uh, she investigates the killing, and all signs point to her being a paid killer, though she doesn't know it. She even finds money for committing the crime in her locker. Things get even worse when she has a vision of herself lying on the ground bleeding to death. Luckily, because she's a straight-shooter judge, she takes all this to uh, Chief Side Judge O-Man, and things wrap up pretty quickly, which is kind of funny, I guess. It's like, all right, we've done the setup. Let's just uh, uh, clear this thing out, I guess. Um, You've got one page left to write. Exactly. Uh, I I guess a a plastic surgeon Anderson put away previously, Leonardo de Peckham, um, has escaped the cubes, operated on his own daughter named Mona to look just like such. She looks just like Judge Anderson and then sent her on a crime spree to try to drive Anderson insane. Luckily. It's a lot lot of work, isn't it? Just to get back on stuff, get back to it. I mean, you know, these like... No one ever accuses a supervillain of not having complicated plans, you know. They sort of, <laughs> you know. What they explain it to his daughter, I'm really sorry. Yeah. I want, you to look, I want you to look like the person I hate more than anyone else in the world. <laughs> Go out and crimes and probably get killed. <laughs> Great parenting. You know, I mean, hey, it's the future. Things are different those days, I guess. <laughs> yeah, just <a> <laughs> Anyhow, now they're all headed to Recycles. That's fine. And uh, the judge that was harassing Anderson has been dismissed. So it all works out in the end. Uh, yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, it's hard work. You know. I, I definitely would not have read this as a kid. This was just way too early. But yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's okay. I'm interested to see um, t- to see Milligan taking a hand at the at at, at, at the tech story. You sort of yeah, it's, it's definitely got Milligan's touch to it. It's, it is like yeah, um, you know, it's, it's um, interesting. I yeah. think the art was beautiful. The Eddie Camps, I'm assuming, is Brendan McCarthy. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's it, it it's hard it's to tell because my 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 usual sources for figuring out um, like uh, pen names and stuff. Generally, don't cover the uh, tech stories because yeah. Well, I had a, I had a look on Barney and I couldn't see anything. And I'll be yeah. 
in the very fact that for eight years looking like that. Yeah, makes sense to me. And speaking of Brandon McCarthy, uh, let's go to Thrill 8, Judge Dredd. Uh, script about John Wagner and Alan Grant. Art about Brendan McCarthy, Tony Wright, and Brett Ewins. Letting her about Tom Frame. And this is the She-Devil's story, and it's a pretty fun one. Um, yeah, that's a big one, isn't it? I was, I was, I was there 16 pages, and it's fantastic. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, it's a really good movie. Yeah, these annuals really give artists a chance to sort of stretch out and, and tell some really long stories. I, um, the Dread Annual this year has like, I think it's, it's like, it's got to be like 20 pages or something by uh, John Higgins just drawing crazy cursed earth stuff and, uh, and, and things like that. Like they definitely, like in full color, they can definitely, it definitely gives artists a chance to stretch out, I think, and, 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 and go for broke. And McCarthy's had some great annual stuff in the past. I know last, last year he had it, or no, I think maybe, yeah, yeah. Last year he had this this a psychedelic dread story that was really amazing. Just a chance to do cool stuff. Uh, this story is called She Devils. The Mega City One Night is full of neon ads for night spots, and I just love this opening of just this uh, like aerial view of Mega City One, and just full of full of neon and looks very like cyberpunk, I guess. Or um, <laughs> like absolutely. I mean, it's such an edge of it is the detail on it's just stunning. Definitely. It's, it's um, yeah, and and really take and 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 really takes advantage of of the color that they have for these for these annuals. A trio of ladies is taken into the Cannibal Club and meets a fabulous uh of a, a fabulous bad dude named Little Macho. Macho doesn't recognize these ladies, led by someone named Marlene. She's looking for or he, he's looking for Siobhan, but Siobhan doesn't work here anymore. This is very eighties. Oh man, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, super. It's very tight on the guy. It's just like, oh. <laughs> yeah, he's wearing like a uh, like a pimp suit with like a uh, with, with like a feather in his hat and stuff. It's like a it's like a little person version of Buggy Bear. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I actually like them. The artwork's amazing, so I've got to forgive them a little bit. But yeah, it's of its time. I mean, yeah, it's it's very much like 1987's view of 2109 or whatever. <laughs> you know, yeah, um, absolutely. Um, so Marlene has fifty thousand for some stuff, but Macho plays dumb. A fight breaks out, but Macho relents and hands over a kilo of pure Stooky gland, which is of course the uh, mega city drug that uh, pr- gives you um, eternal youth if you keep taking it. The deal goes down, but the she devils want to do more business, they, and they want to talk to Macho's supplier, but the dealer says no way. And then the judges burst in. Uh, a gunfight breaks out, and and while one goon gets shot. One of the she devils open fire and and kills Judge Dredd. Such a great page where he gets shot and the and the lawmaster. Totally, yeah. You just see him like flailing backwards and stuff. It's really great. Yeah. Although here's where I have to note that um, M- McCarthy is drawing Dredd with an extremely wide helmet, super wide. His his helmet shield has six bars on it at one point. It's crazy. That's great. <laughs> It's really well suited for this. I, 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 I love McCarthy's Yeah, it's 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 really distinctive for sure. Just in terms of like you know, you see that style of dread helm, and you instantly know it, it it's Brendan McCarthy as opposed to any other artist for sure. I just got to point it out because I, I I think it's funny the the variations in in this look, you know. Yeah, um, it's just fantastic. I mean, the other kind of the med judge that comes in as well is absolutely insane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it looks like one of the Japanese helmets, actually. But it's really not. Yeah, it's sort of a sort of a a, 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 
a Japanese judge slash like a Judah kind of kind of look, just really like oh, like overbuilt kind of thing. <laughs> but so Dread goes down, and the She Devils escape with Macho, and he promises to hook them up with his supplier for saving him. As the judges process the club, Dread gets back up because he was wearing blood packets. It was all a ruse. Um, the She Devil, yeah, the uh. Oh, also one of the judges in on the assault was uh, Judge Decker from um, from way back. Who was sh- she was a rookie judge that uh, Dread handled or 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 dealt with in a some Kim Ray in a Kim Raymond story. And then, she, yeah, it's it's just fun to see her, to see her have a cameo just because she seems so promising when she first showed up and then sort of disappeared from the progs. Um, but. Um, Anyway, it looks like um, the the She Devils are undercover agents, you know, Wally Squad members probably, and they'll suit up Macho Supplier. But until then, both they and Dread has to lay have to lay low because Dread's got to pretend to be dead. So you know, they're like, "Ah, Dread, Joe, you'll get a chance to to catch up on paperwork." And Dread's not super pleased about that because, of course, he hates paperwork. Uh, three days later, Macho contacts the devils, all lounging about quite sexily in towels and underwear and stuff. <laughs> and said, yeah, definitely. He's, you know, M- McCarthy <laughs> just taking a spare moment to, um, to uh, 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 you know, show these she devils looking good for sure. Um, he can set up a meet, but they have to bring Sh- uh, Siobhan to do it. So we cut to Dread questioning Siobhan, now in an ISO cube. He threatens to sentence her. To 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 upper sentence from four years to four hundred years, and she agrees to help in the investigation. It's so hard, and, and that page itself, the art, I'm incredible. Yeah, it's got kind of a dark, like, uh, yeah, it, it really gives you a feel of like the interrogation, I guess. Um, yeah, I just love the idea that um, you know, you know, these mega city judges would sentence you to four hundred years and somehow keep you alive for all four hundred of them. You know, <laughs> yeah. like. It's not just an idle threat or whatever. Yeah, this is way before any stirrings of democracy. You know, well, I mean, we, we understand why people thought he was a fascist at this point. I mean, we, we we did just recently have the big march, um, like the uh, the the democracy now march or whatever. Um, okay. But it was, you know, of course, ably taken out by Judge Dredd and his band of um, anti-democracy judges. You know, okay. so. You know, it's had its ups and downs for sure. <laughs> um, and and you now she agrees to help with the investigation. So Macho meets with the she devil, Siobhan included, as the judges observe from an H wagon. They arrive at a Pato Crush yard, and the supplier is Siobhan's Uncle Christo. Whoa, <laughs> I guess. Um, they have a family reunion, and then Siobhan says it's a trap. A fight breaks out be- as the judges swarm the area. The criminals run to a giant crusher robot, but get caught on the conveyor line. And Christo and Macho are both crushed. Looks like these perps come already cubed. (laughs) Gotta have that pun, man. It's key. (laughs) Um, And for helping the case, but then causing this final gunfight, Siobhan gets an extra nine year, an extra five years on her sentence for nine total. And Dread walks off into the night. He's a rat, but one of the best. Definitely. Yeah, this is a really fun one. I really, I really like just the, um, you know, doing the undercover cop stuff, like, like with the uh, she devils and stuff. Was it like, got you, you, you get a chance to kind of see, like, I don't know what life on the ground is like a little bit in in Mega City One, which is always, always yeah, fun. You, you tend to get that a lot more as the 
the um, the, the dresses, like when you get the magazine coming into it. Um, you get yeah. a lot more of that, but this is definitely early on where you see stuff like this. It's, it's definitely. Um, and uh, I guess let's go to Thrill 9, Cut It Out 3. Couldn't think of a transition, terrible. But it's the Rogue Trooper paper doll. Um, and all the chips got to cut out here. Uh, Gunner, Bagman, and Helm. Gunner looks nice. I like the art on Gunner. Yeah. I, th- I feel like Bagman would be a real pain to actually do on the on the doll, though, because you got to, like, cut out the shoulder straps and stuff like that. Like, I don't know. <laughs> it's really, really complex with you. Yeah. Um, I guess, speaking of uh, classic characters, let's go to Thrill 10, 86 Covers. Which is uh, 2080 creators picking top 2080 covers from the year 1986. Uh, Fantastic. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of great ones. Uh, Brett Ewins picked the uh, When the Rain Comes cover that that Fox liked a lot for that year. Um, That's one of my favorite covers of the time. Yeah, it's definitely a real noteworthy one for sure. Uh, Glenn Fabry picked the Kev O'Neill Mutant Dread um, cover, which is also a good one. Uh, All four Metal Zoic covers make the cut, which I think is pretty great. Yeah, it's a dessert. But, yeah. Um, yeah, that is really interesting. I really yeah. like the uh, the Pop Four Six Four and the Brett Ewing's show. Um, oh that's yeah, fantastic. Red out of the city. Yeah, that uh, that that mutant dread is always one of my favorites too. Um, yeah. Uh, then uh, Prog Five Hundreds in there, and most I I think most of the Cliff Robinson um um dread covers get in there as well, like the ones with the circular logo and all that stuff. I like yeah, dread in front of the Statue of Liberty, stuff like that. <laughs> um, and uh, once again, going to classic thrills, it's Thrill 11, Robusters Part 2. Uh, script by Pat Mills, art about Dave Gibbons, letter about Dave Gibbons, of course. Um, we're actually a little bit out of order in these ones because this one is from Prog 92 and the next story is from, from Prog 91. Um, it, yeah, it's time for some R and R in a safe zone in the Vulcan War. Um, we um, s- like get get a sideways chance to meet um, be- be- because we're a little out of order. It, this is where we first meet um, wacky um, or Hammerstein's wacky squad mates like Bomber Harrison, who thinks he's a, a, a World War II yeah. fighter plane, Babyface Brannigan, stuff like that. Uh, <laughs> um, but so. Um, Everybody's chilling out. The other guys even convince Hammerstein to put on his secondary arms for a laugh because he's got four. So he's got four arms and stuff. That wasn't <laughs> you definitely don't see those coming back, which I think is a bummer because I like a four-armed uh, a hero, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but then they're attacked by Volgan jetpack troopers, the the vulture arrow troopin'. You can tell that Gibbons really enjoyed doing this with his. It's very Holland heroes. Absolutely, yeah. It's uh, Gibbons getting back to his uh, jetpack roots. <laughs> the uh, the soldiers fight back. Hammerstein's got three guns and a hammer and a hammer hand blazing away, leading the uh, assault against Volgans. We get a cool picture of him like breaking down a wall and stuff like that that I really cool. like. Um, and Bomber Harrison gets a jetpack and actually can live his World War II fighter bomber dreams. <laughs> By <laughs> flying over like a Vogan gun emplacement and dropping uh, grenades on it and stuff, which is pretty cool. Uh, classic stuff and more classic stuff in Thrill 12 Daily Dreads Part 2. Yeah, still really enjoying those. Fantastic. Definitely, yeah. They're just like, you know, again, it's just these quick jokes that they just kind of get in and get out for sure. Because we, 
like we start at a at a grabman squeeze of attorneys at law, which which I always I I love a joke um, law partner name, you know. Yeah, they are fantastic. The, the one I always hear is uh, Dewey Cheatham and Howe, but you know. Um, but, <laughs> But so a lawyer is given bad news. They estimated a case would cost 1,200 credits. But after fees and stuff, it actually costs 38,433 credits. And even worse, after the client writes a check, there's more bad news. They lost the case. And Dread grabs him and takes him away. (laughs) (laughs) Got to get that that check first, man. That's what separates uh, Grabman Squeeze him from all the other attorneys, you know? <laughs> I like the fact that he just paid it. Like that sounds like a lot of money. Yeah, he still, you know, he still had the money. It's just sort of like, oh, this is ridiculous. <laughs> Next up, a scientist has created a mermaid, half woman, half haddock, <laughs> and it's <laughs> haddock. but it's it's brilliant, and I felt. You know, the, the picture of that, the, the mermaid is just fantastic. Yeah, it's just kind of a, of a big old fish with like a lady face and hair and boobs, basically. <laughs> that's it, yeah. And everyone's like, that, that, that's terrible. What's going on? He's like, hey, I can't do much with a haddock. You know, I don't know. <laughs> Naturally, Dredd arrests him for impermissible genetic experimentation and heavily implies that this mermaid, aka uh, someone says, "What about Bo Derek here?" Which is like like, like a, a splash reference. Um, but Dredd implies that she's just going to be eaten with chips, which is pretty terrifying. <laughs> They're just going to eat this. Yeah. Tell <laughs> eat- the to get the chips on the ladder. <laughs> just- <laughs> You just got to eat the eat the human half or the uh, the fish half, I should say. Leave the human half alone. Then it's not cannibalism, I, I guess. That's <laughs> 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 Something. Give the other half to Hookjaw, maybe. Um, yeah, yeah. I <laughs> um, next, a sports reporter who I assume is, is a caricature of, of of an actual guy. It's Kevin Keegan, who's the the he's England's greatest striker at that time. So yeah, it's, it's of course, he, yeah. He's got, Really, really but so he's doing a report from the pool of the Mega City One World uh, World Cup team, and he interviews Dread, and the judge explains that they're beefing up security. He advises fans to just stay home <laughs> and not cause any problems. Um, be- and uh, besides anybody else, Judge Dread says that the judges will win the World Cup. <laughs> <Pretty>. <laughs> And then the cup is on, and we see uh, in the opening game, Brit sits losing thirty six to zero. Oh no. <laughs> A uh, a hard tackle from cyborg player uh, Clugger Robert uh, Robotson draws a red card, and then a, an arrest from Judge Dredd. And the captain of the team says, uh, "Watch the tackles, and no kissing if you score. Who knows what these Mega City One judges will do?" That's good. <laughs> um, next, we learn that it's tough on the streets, and it, it, it's tough on the streets of Mega City One. Dredd spots a gang rumble, proceeds to beat up or shoot everybody involved. It's tough on the streets, all right. For the citizens. Yeah, there's just no story there. It's just it's the six panels of gratuitous violence. Yeah, it's a, a huge fight scene. It, it literally ends with, with Dredd riding his lawmaster over several citizens. You know? Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Finally, Dredd interrogates a perp, giving the uh, says, "Give up the bloody knee mob, or get a thousand years in the cubes." But just as the perp is about to confess, Judge uh, uh, Judge Dredd gets a radio message saying that the mob has been found by the judges without his help, and now he's doing a millennium. 
And again, th- th- this one's kind of funny because it does echo l- like the conversation we had with uh, the She Devil story, where again, yeah, absolutely. I, d- I definitely feel like the judges will find a way to make you do all thousand of those years, you know, one way or another. Well, it's, it's not there, it's, you know, because he's told him he's got uh, nine hundred and ninety-eight years, so it's obviously not not two years, like it's thousand years since. Well, I th- yeah, I, th- I, th- I think he said it was almost a thousand or something, but yeah, no, it's definitely like all these concurrent ones. You still don't get a round number, you know, just keep going <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah definitely interested things we're learning and speaking of learning new things thrill 13 60 things you didn't know about 2000 ad and it's just a really fascinating isn't it? there's some really good stuff on there um, yeah. a couple of things i didn't know or i've forgotten <laughs> yeah this is a a collection of fun, of 2080 fun facts mostly from the early days what uh wh- what did you learn reading this um i learned the where is it We've got the price of the advertising, how much it was to have on the back page. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was cool, too. Yeah, it's like 1,195 pounds for the back page. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't quite sure what they were on about. You you can't gain access to the command module without the secret code. (laughs) Yeah. I thought it was interesting that uh, Brent McCarthy, Brett Ewins, and and Peter Milligan all all attended the same art college. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Makes sense. But uh, yeah, very interesting. Because it does make sense, just sort of with like the, their early team ups on things too. Like I don't know, just yeah. sort of like that yeah, these guys kind of knew each other, and that's how they sort of came in with like bad company and stuff. I think that's an interesting um, idea. Um, and I, and I w- one thing I do like is that how in these annuals they they do occasionally like a uh, break kayfabe or whatever the uh, the uh, the the fake story of two thousand ID that that they admit that like Kelvin Gosnell was the first editor and Steve McManus is the current one and stuff like yeah. that. Like the in, in the annuals for the premium price, they're willing to to uh, to uh, explain that stuff, you know. Absolutely, I thought it was interesting. Some of the celebrity fans as well, um, Simon Lebon, uh, Hank yeah. Wangford—that's a name I haven't heard for about thirty years—and <laughs> Kevin Brighton. I don't even know who that is. <laughs> yeah, they also had a list of people who had um, who had uh, songs based on 2018. I didn't know. I didn't know Human League had one, which is kind of weird. They did the song "I Am the Law," you know, which is had a two had a tone I was not expecting from a song based on a Judge Dread quote, you know. <laughs> but yeah, awesome. Yeah, fun stuff. I don't know. I. It like it's obviously filler, but I think it is funny when they just kind of talk about like uh, you know random or silly things just about the the publication of, of of this comic we love so much, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, speaking of uh, of uh, of uh, exci- of interesting new things, it's through a fourteen. Cut uh, cut it out for. Final one, uh, it's Johnny Alpha. I, of course, frown on all non-Ascara Johnny Alphas, and this one's no different. <laughs> it's not his finest hour, it's um, the face is terrible. Absolutely terrible. Yeah, and, and how you'd be able to put the helmet out, I don't know, that looks just like, you move the degree in art and don't <laughs> Yeah, I mean, um, I think, like, for me... Like Robin Smith's a very steady hand, but when he, you know, you, I mean, obviously he's he's not the guy that that draws some of these iconic characters, so the the quality can have some difficulty sometimes for sure. Um, and let's go on to Thrill Fifteen Robusters Part Three. Speaking of classic artists, I guess. Uh, script about Pat Mills, art about Kevin O'Neill, letter about Peter Knight. It's the yeah. Go ahead, Tom. Sorry. Stunning. Just a night. That opening page. Oh yeah, just the uh, the there's this opening spot 
um, shot. There's this huge Vogan assault led by their super tank, the Vogania. Um, Hammerstein's in a new squad, like I said, led by Sergeant Country Joe Farmer. Wacky squad mates Bomber Harrison. He's a uh, fighter plane, stuff like that. The platoon takes part apart in an elaborate raid to take down the super tank. But things go pear-shaped quite quickly. Eventually, Hammerstein is forced to commandeer a fuel truck and drives it right at the tank, causing a huge explosion that he's uh, clone, uh, f- thrown clear of. Awesome stuff to just Kev O'Neill doing war action, which I feel like, for me at least, isn't what Kev O'Neill's known for, but he does a great, a great job with it. It's, just, it's absolutely fantastic, yeah. Yeah, it's cool. yeah classic stuff. It's just, yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting that Pat Mills has taken something that could be out of a boys' comic from the 1950s and just really updated it well. Um, it's funny, and then you've just got the art from Kev O'Neill, who's just interesting. Definitely. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's so funny because I feel like this is just a classic World War II story, but you add, but you add a robot to it and it becomes a whole different thing, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. And uh, speaking of uh, learning new things, it's Thrill 16, answer time. <laughs> and this was the answer to the questions from the favorite stories and for the word search. Like I said, it's really crazy just how, how much every letter of this word search is used. Like there's no, yeah. There's almost no open spaces. It's it's really crazy. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's a real target rich environment. You know, although they, they do have some backwards um, names, which is always the bane of my existence with um with word searches. No good at reading backwards myself. Um, <laughs> after that, there's an ad. Did, did you notice? Did you notice oh. which artist is the Jordan? Uh, um, it was it's it, it's Ian Gibson, right? The um, yeah, yeah. the uh, e, e, Ian Gibson droid, I should say. <laughs> I know those curly locks anywhere, you know. <laughs> I'm sure he had a lot to do with this. I mean, I think like I feel like like that that Gibson droid has showed up in the annuals a lot, so I feel like it was definitely like a piece of just of just clip art they could toss in. Um, <laughs> To just sort of, you know, have a have a droid be there, you know, because I think that was from like one, um, like how to draw Judge Dread kind of a, a, a thing from a previous annual or something like that. Uh, um, there's also an ad for the Judge Dread annual, which we've uh, discussed on the show a few episodes ago, and has some great John Higgins stuff in that one. Um, uh, and uh, speaking of uh, awesome color stories, let's finish up with Thrill 17, Stratium Dog. Uh, script about Alan Grant and John Wagner's Alan Grant. Art about Carl Siskera, letting about Mark King. So, <laughs> a complaint has been filed by Norm Wendell O. Puddock against mutant bounty hunter Johnny Alpha. Oh, no. Um, he was walking outside Mr. Blister's bar in, in Milton Keynes, the largest mutant ghetto in Europe, when an ear-headed mutant was thrown out a window and hit him and tossed him in the mud. That he was caught in a gunfight between Johnny and the Bottom Gang, who were being served a warrant by, by a Johnny Alpha. And it's, all this is told sort of in... Like the vernacular of someone writing a, a complaint report. He's got yeah. a, new, a newspaper suit that got covered in mud and stuff. But the 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 art's just great because it's just pure like Carlos Escara action shots. You know, people jumping oh, it's around. Really I mean, some of the some of the mutants as well. Joe Bottom, absolutely <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I love it. It's hilarious. Yeah, the uh, eventually the in, in the crossfire, Wendell gets tossed down an open manhole straight into the sewer. Oh no, he's all 
gross and muddy and stuff. Muddy in quotes, I guess. And then gets held hostage by the evil Joe Bottom. Um, Johnny uses his delayed detonation beam to take out Bottom without harming Wendell, which, you know, the thing that lets him, like, shoot a beam from his, from his blaster that sort of goes through one thing and then hits something behind it, basically. Yeah, but that's fantastic for Not sure yeah, you know, I mean, I think it's it, it's as physically correct as like a time grenade, you know. Yeah, <laughs> like, absolutely. <laughs> you know? Like, I feel like it doesn't strain more credulity, credulity <laughs> than the other stuff I'm willing to accept in Johnny's Strontium Dog, you know. Um, absolutely. Yeah. So, like, and plus, like, I honestly, for me, like the the beam thing almost makes more sense just because they had similar technology in a in in Judge Dredd. There was that one story in the space or no in the uh in the war like there's a story when Dredd was on Luna One where he fought where they fought the Sovsits. Yeah. And they had lasers or, or or beam weapons that only hit at a certain distance. So like Dread beat them by charging them because they couldn't like adjust the the aperture of their beams fast enough. So this feels like an advancement of that technology. So it's like, oh yeah, like this is continuity, like whatever. It's supposed to be shared universe. Yeah, shared enough, you know. <laughs> but so Wendell the Norm promises to file a complaint as he's like covered in sludge, and presumably his uh, newspaper suit is just dissolving underneath him. And Johnny's just like, yeah, like anybody's going to take you, you seriously, smelly. He, like holds his nose and he like climbs out because <laughs> he's got covered in sewage. Um, we cut to the doghouse, and the boss of the doghouse is not convinced by this complaint. Like Johnny's like, yeah, listen, he was in, he was di- didn't get to the side of the firefight. What are you gonna do? And the uh, the boss is like, yeah, the only thing I hate more than you scummy mutants is whiny norms. Complaint dismissed. And like That's he, a fantastic line, man. I love that. <laughs> head butted right into the bin. You know, it's great. <laughs> right, fantastic. Really fun strip. Enjoy that. Yeah, just a fun a, a fun capper. You know, I I love um I feel like the the proper place for strong team dogs either at the start of a, of a prog or an annual to get you started, or as at 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 the end to finish things off strong. You know, absolutely. And with that, oh my gosh, Dave Healy, nineteen seventy seven to two thousand AD, we have finished the nineteen eighty eight annual. Woo! Hooray! Yeah. All right. And I have one question for you, which is what were your top and bottom thrills? Oh, this is so hard. Um, yeah, top thrill. It's really close. Talking about second on the moon was very close. But I'm going to have to go with the Judge Dredd Sheet of this because the McCarthy art and the art and it's just insanely good. And I enjoyed the story as well. Um, yeah, that's my top strip. Nice. Uh, as for bottom strip, I'm afraid it's all of the pretty takes. <laughs> That's <laughs> fair. <laughs> uh, I, I just don't bring anything to the to the pod. I, I wasn't particularly keen on the text story, but at least at least it had some nice art to go with it, and I could see what they're trying to do. But yeah, the, the cut of text just felt like the to be honest. That, That's mine. Yeah, that, that that's super fair, especially because the cut it outs were, or at least most of them were in the prog initially and in color Stop. there. So like, this feels like I don't know, like like less content almost for filler than more, you know. <laughs> I'll, um, I think I'm, I'm going to join you with the cut it outs in my bottom. Those are, you know, again, it's just, it's just retreads of retreads. So it's sort of like, I don't know, like 
because like I, I I I always like you know I don't know I I feel bad about saying this about Robert Smith because I feel like he is is a good artist but he is also sort of who they pull in when they need last minute filler stuff just generally um, for better or for worse and um and I think for my top I think just so I, I call it out I'm gonna say uh, Torquemada's second honeymoon is because that's fair. I like She Devils a lot too, um, but man, just the um, for me, just just w- working on on our 2080 timeline, I guess um, this like Kevin O'Neill art for for Nemesis stuff in color is su- is such a rare treat that um, I really have to give it to it. You know, it's it's it, it, it's sort it's sort of an unusual thing. Whereas I feel like an awesome Brendan McCarthy story in color is sort of like I feel like. We have more of those coming, but in 87, we're sort of re- reaching the end of Kev O'Neill almost. I think the most interesting thing is anyone who got this annual would be really pleased with it. I mean, some of the 2009 annuals were a little bit boring, but so much good content in it. And even the reprints, to be honest, I mean, you're getting some really good, robusted reprints as well. So, yeah, yeah it's just a fantastic start for things to be yeah, I mean, I always talk up these annuals. I I like them a lot. Just they, you know, they look good on the shelf because they're like hardbacked and stuff. And yeah. especially once you kind of get into the '80s and they start reprinting 2000 AD material, they really um, give you a lot of bang for your buck in terms of like classic content and stuff. It's hard to, you know, like I I always highly recommend them. Just like I don't know, for me as someone who doesn't have a lot of shelf space, they're a great way to just be to collect some classic yeah. 2000 AD. You know, and, and they aren't too expensive a lot of times, honestly. And that, and that's and that's all, to be fair. A lot of the people who missed the first hundred or so jobs, that was how you got the content. Because there was no best of two thousand and eight monthly initial. Yeah. And, and when the when they started reprinting your fleshies and your Harlem heroes, that was the first time a lot of kids had seen it. So yeah, it, it, I, I'm a big fan of the annuals, and I think the Judge Dread annuals have even more new content in because they didn't really reprint as much. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, that's definitely true. Yeah, they'll like one or two reprints, and then a lot of new stuff. A lot of times, by by top artists, like you can get like you know like two or three like like full full color Ascara stories in um in the annuals that are just re- a real amazing resource for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or our podcast site, spacespinner2000.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com, on the 2080 forums, or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages on Twitter, at spacespinner2k. Everything else will go to spacespinner2000. We should be there. Dave, thanks so much for coming on the show. Is, um, Thank is there anything- you. Oh, of course. Yeah. It's, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I, I always love when people can come out here and uh, talk about these annuals and stuff. It gives Fox some time off and stuff so we can keep on putting prog episodes out consistently, which is a, a, a real help. Um, is there, oh, go, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. It's been a pleasure. Oh, fantastic. Um, uh, is, is there anything you'd like to plug or where can people find you online if you'd like to be found? Uh, yeah, basically. Uh, we're on the 1977 2000 AD Facebook group. Um, we're a friendly bunch, and uh, if you want to know anything about 2000 AD, there's always someone there who'll be able to help you. So it'd be lovely to see anyone out there who wants to yeah, absolutely. I'm on that group a lot. Um, like I've definitely like had had last minute queries about things on the show and, <laughs> and like ask questions. Like you're like, what what is going on here? Like, and, you know, like what is there's this a, reference? A of, yeah, there's a couple of people on there who literally. I, 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 I don't know how they do it, but they'll, they'll come up with the answer immediately. I mean, yeah. I know a bit of these people. 
Yeah, definitely appreciate everybody's hard work and stuff like that. All right, awesome, cool. So everybody can come back next time as Universal Soldier gets his man. We get to know the freaks. Johnny Alpha and Middenface McNulty get in a fight in the Rammy. Zenith gets in a showdown. Nemesis Goat gets to the pass to meet the two Torquemadas. And Chopper just might get out of prison and head to Oz. Until then, I'm Conrad Bear Dave, and we are Space Spinner 2000. Splendid for three.